What's going on, good people, and welcome to Relationship Goals. I'm Reverend Kojo, your host. Now, we're talking about how you're relating to your significant other and those landmines you've been navigating with your mother and father. We're talking about your brothers and sisters and how y'all have been nighting day since the time you were born. We're talking about that boss that just doesn't seem to get you, and we're talking about those co-workers that you love. We're talking about that girl from 10th grade that scarred you. Yeah, we're talking about every friendship, kinship, and fellowship that you belong to. Why? Because relationships make the world go round. And if we can hack relationships, we can hack this thing called life. So you've just tuned into Relationship Goals with Reverend Gojo. What's going on, good people? And welcome to Relationship Goals. I'm Reverend Kojo. And today, I am, I'm kind of excited about our show today. I want to talk about um, being mentally single. Being mentally single. And, and I'll just preface it by saying that um, I was in a relationship that definitely kind of sort of ended like two years ago. And I think I just came to the terms with the fact that I'm single. Um, and because it was the best I had ever had. It, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't nothing better. I had been in a place where um, nothing compared to it. And I was happy with it. And um, I wanted more, but I didn't get more. But it was still the best I had ever experienced. I, I didn't think that there was another person on this earth that could compare. Um, and, and so when things got odd, when things got awkward, when, when things weren't like they were, um, there was never a clear ending in my mind. There was always hope that, that, that thing would return to what it was. And, and so here's the deal, like we were traveling and we were spending time together and it was getting, it was good. Like I had, I never felt so free in my life. And that's, I remember walking through a city we were visiting. And we hadn't done anything. I think we were we were waiting on a table for brunch, and we we walked into a furniture store, and and this 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 cool wind came across me, and I and I just had this moment. I said, "Man, if I could do this for the rest of my life, I'd be happy." And and we had a wonderful time that weekend, and 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 I came back home, and immediately I started looking for, <laughs> for houses in that city. I was thinking maybe it's that city. Maybe that's why I felt so free. Maybe that's where I need to live. Move halfway across the country, and that's where I need to be. And soon I realized that it, it wasn't the city. It, it was the person with whom I was with. And so when things went left, I'm like, this can't be it. This, this is it. This is, this is the one. This is who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I'm, I'm going to do ministry, and I'm going to come home to see this pretty face, and that's going to be it, right? I was convinced that that was all. And then things unraveled, and when they unraveled, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why they would unravel. I didn't understand why God would allow it to unravel. I didn't understand how it could unravel because, you know, as far as I was concerned, me and God were cool and, and we were making this thing work. And so if me and God are cool, why, why isn't it working? Um, you know, how do we go from having the best time ever and supporting each other in our endeavors and um, eating great food and having late night conversations into two or three o'clock in the morning and being completely agreeable, agreeing on what level the thermostat needed to be in the hotel room. Yeah, and y'all know that's a big thing, relationships. To all of a sudden, we're not talking. Not even going to dinner as friends. Like, we're not communicating with each other. I can't even get a text back. Not forget about answering the phone, couldn't get a text back. And I couldn't understand how things could go from being the best of times to being the worst of times in, in a matter of days. Like, literally, we met up on a Saturday, had lunch. And was really optimistic. And by that Sunday, it was over. But mentally, mentally, it was not over for me. Mentally, 
oh, it's going to get better mentally, I was like, uh, hey, we're going to work this thing out. It's going to come back around. Maybe, you know, school is just bad. You know, grad school is a beast. It's, it's, it's going to work itself out. And, and then we ran into one another at a party like four, four months later. And it, it wasn't better. It was worse. <laughs> it, it wasn't better. And even even at that, I was like, it's got to get better. It gets better. It gets better. And then um, a few months later, uh, we have a conversation or a piece of a conversation. And my hope comes flooding back. And I'm like, you know, it's going to work. It's going to work. And, and it never returns. And so here I am two years into this thing. After the last healthy moment we've had, still hoping that it's going to work so much so that I mean, I'm, I'm telling my shrink, you know, this is it. This is the one. And, and everybody's like, well, maybe you need to move on. And, and, and I, I, there was not a bone move, a bone of move on in me. There was not a shred, you know, and I was frustrated. I'm like, God, how do we go from being this good to not, but I was still convinced that, you know, it's got to work. <laughs> it has to work. And so I know a lot of us may be single entitled, but taken in mindset. And when I began to sit, sit down and think about doing this podcast and think about where I wanted to talk about, what I realized is that in the last seven, eight years, this is the first time I've been mentally single. Now, there have been pockets in there over the last seven, eight years where I've definitely been single, been single for years. Um, but this is the first time in about eight years that I have been mentally single. Um because I would go, cause, and I don't, and here's the deal, like, and I don't know if you can relate, you know, if you can relate, you know, you should like make a review or make a comment and tell me that you can relate, but I don't know about you, but I don't love easy, but I do love hard. And so since I don't love easy, there's not a lot of people that I, I'll give my attention to, but when somebody catches my eye, I'm, I'm usually, once I set my face to something, set my mind to something, there's nothing that can really keep me from doing or going or being what I, what I think I want. And, and I'm a pursuer of that, of that sort that I'm going to go after. Right. So I had set made up my mind. I'm like, you know what? Um, I think I I was, I liked somebody for a while and things got a little serious between us and then it fell apart. Right. And so that relationship fell apart and I was effectively single for seven, eight months before I, I met the next person. But for maybe three or four, the first three or four months of that, that singleness, I was in complete denial, like complete denial, <laughs> complete denial. And so that when the next person came along, I had, I think I, w- I was definitely over them. Um, but I was, I was not in, I was, I, it took me seven, six, four, like four months to become mentally single. Because I was like, you know, you know, they're going to get over this. This is really not this big of a misunderstanding. We just need to have a conversation. Because I am this huge proponent that if we can talk about it, about it, we can fix it. Like, I am all for the conversation. And people who, like, don't like to have conversations about stuff, I don't understand. Um, that's not my MO. I feel like I can, if we can talk about it, we can definitely fix it. Um, so, in my mind, what I'm thinking is, like, we're going to talk about it. We're going to stop being mad. And then we'll be adults about this thing and we'll get it together. Well, I mean, like eight months passed and it didn't happen. About three or four months into that singleness, they did something that really pissed me off. Um, and it was really childish and I was done. And, and, and that, I guess it flipped the switch for me to say, I don't want anything to do with you. And I became mentally single. So by the time that the next person came along, I was definitely available. Okay. Definitely available. 
Um, but there was still a part of me that wanted them to come back and get it right, even though I was not, I was not there. And the part, but see, when the next person came out, came around, it was still kind of like a rebound situation because even though I didn't want them, I don't think I was prepared to move on. So I'm going into this next relationship. I think we were, we dated for about seven, eight months. And when we dated for like seven, eight months, I realized that the relationship that I had just entered into was not God pleasing. And since I, I, I realized it wasn't God pleasing about around the seventh month, um, I realized and they realized it too. Hey, you are going to different heights in your spiritual walk. And actually we had a conversation in the car one night and I was like, Hey, I can't go with you. You're getting your life together in ways that I'm just not ready to get my life together in. And so we broke up and I, I was single. Uh, and, and I was mentally single before we broke up there. Like I, I wasn't, I'm not a cheater and I've never been a cheater, but like I, I would had checked out. And so when we, when we effectively broke up, I wake up, <laughs> I'm having people over to the house and this next person walks in the house and we had been friends for years, walks in my house. And I'm like, when in the world did they get attractive? Like we had been friends, like spent time together, hung out together. But I was like, when did this happen? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, um, but then I argued with God for like six months. <laughs> Like, God, I thought we were going to do this chase thing because, you know, like, you know, that the reason we broke out, well, break up, broke up the, in the previous relationship was because I told the Lord, I was like, um, I was trying to get, I was really, really pursuing God at that, at that time. And, and I want y'all to realize in the middle of this, I'm saved in the middle of all of this. And so, yes, I'm dating folks. I probably shouldn't be dating. I'm doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. Um, but I've, I've, you know, I'm saved. I had been saved since I was six, but I'm saved and doing ministry. But it wasn't really until about this point where I'm, I'm going to get my walk and align it with my ministry. Because in my mind, I guess in the beginning, it, you know, early in my 20s, I'm thinking, early in my 20s, late, late teens, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm doing ministry. But I'm like, ah, oh, I don't, you know, you want to live and be a teenager. I know that they say don't do this. They say don't drink. They say don't have sex before marriage. But I guess in my mind, I was like, you know, that's just a suggestion. Toward the end of this relationship, when I'm really pursuing God, really serious about getting my walk to align with the message that I'm preaching and the word that I'm, I'm proclaiming to represent, um, this person pops up and I'm like, I thought God, we had agreed that I was going to be chased. <laughs> I thought we had agreed I was going to be chased. We weren't going to do this. And me and God go back and forth for six months and we go back and forth about, um, Hey, am I allowed to date? And if I'm like, if I'm allowed to date, what are the parameters here? Cause I know like usually we talk about chastity, that's sex, but like, does that clue off dating? Like, is this agreement that I'm not going to get married and I'm going to be like a Paul <laughs> and just be by myself? Like what, is God, what, what, what are we saying here? Like what, what are the parameters? And so me and God go back up, go back and forth for six months. Finally, toward the end of that six months, um, I had a wedding invitation and I was like, um, well, God, it's only one person I want to take. Obviously this is a person I've been arguing with you about and you keep give, telling me that, you know, it's okay. See, go, just go, go explore. And I'm, I, I've got this peace and this is really my first experience with peace. Like I had heard about peace, but there's this, this is the first time where I feel okay about it, but I don't think I'm supposed to feel okay about it. So me and God are going back and forth. I had this peace and God was like, peace is my stamp of approval. Okay. So I, I asked, I asked this person, like, Hey, do you want to be my plus one? 
because it was a mutual friend's wedding um, and I had an invitation and a lot of our former mutual friends did not. And so I said, uh, you want my plus one? Of course, you know, that was a yes, even though I didn't think that they would want to go with me. We go, we have a good time. And then that kind of births this season that felt like God divinely arranged it. Um, it was crazy. I would, I would get tickets to go to these shows. Um, like I think we went to go see Jill, Jill Scott. I got, I got like 10 tickets to go see Jill Scott. And this was the only person that shows up. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, this person could be my plus one, but I've invited these other folks. Nobody comes, but the two of us, I get these tickets to go see, uh, uh, Oklahoma city play and nobody, nobody comes, but us. Um, I get tickets to go see just a whole bunch of other instances. I get tickets to go see and nobody goes, but us. And, after a while, I didn't want anybody to go but us. And so, you know, it begins to birth this thing that, that, that is healthy for me, that, that feels right and completely feels God honoring. Um, and I'm in this space that I didn't know could exist, um, as me. And, 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 and it was weird for me. <laughs> it, 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 it was really weird for me. And, and, and I'll just be transparent, um, because it's my podcast and I get to do what I want to do. I was born intersex, and so a lot of people thought that I was I was a gay a gay female, and, and that that wasn't the case. Um, bec- and I was born intersex with the ability to procreate, um, which is an anomaly. And so I I exclusively dated women, um, and for the longest time thought that I was gay, but didn't wasn't really attracted to like the gay lifestyle type deal. Like I, I wanted a, a Felicia Rashad off the Cosby Show. Um, and so, but I found, I found in this place where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested in these girls and these girls, um, are, are straight women who are not interested in a woman, but they're like, hi, there's something about you that I like. And so I'm going from relationship to relationship to relationship, um, constantly seeking and searching for something, but never really mentally single. So I come out of a season of single singleness, but it's like, I am not leaving the, the relationship, um, I'm not leaving the relationship working on myself. Like I'll spend time alone, but I'm really looking for the next thing. And so I, I go and I date, um, we, 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 we go and we make this thing work. And I mean, we're traveling all over the place. I'm, I'm probably in the healthiest relationship I've ever been. And then I go, uh, I go, where do I go? Then, then we go and I write pregnant with possibility. <laughs> I write pregnant with possibility and, uh, this person is my, my, my case study, um, in probably nine of my chapters or 40 chapters in pregnant with possibility. And so I uh, write the book and I dedicate the book to her. And I knew that this was, this could, this could potentially be a problem. So I drive up to her hometown. It's summertime. And this is the day before I get ordained, right? I drive up. And I go to tell her and I can't get the words out. I should have known that was, a, that was a clue. I couldn't get the words out because I don't, I, you know, I couldn't get the words out. So we said, we have a good time and, and I'm, I'm, I'm good. And then I get to the car and I'm saying, okay, I'm supposed to tell her. And, and I told her I dedicated the book to her, but I didn't tell her why. Um, and so I tell her I dedicated the book. I come clean over through a text message, worst decision in the world. And then when I do that, I don't necessarily feel like it worked. And she, she asked me like three questions the next morning. 
I'm standing in my office at the church. This is like the biggest day of my life because I'm not married. So I haven't had a wedding day. And so my ordination day is about the equivalent uh, for me. And I find myself, we don't talk. And when I say we don't talk, we don't talk. July ends, we don't, we haven't talked. August comes, we've not talked. September comes, we've not talked. October comes, we've not talked. And then uh, we run into each other in November. It's awkward. Oh God, it's awkward. December comes, we've still not talked. January comes, we've not talked. February, March, April, May. May happens. And she's watching my Instagram story. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? And, you know, somewhere along the way, she's blocked me on Facebook or whatever. And then we have a conversation in May. And I ask her to write the foreword for Live Long, Love Long. It's not come out yet. I'll let you know when the book is out. It's not come out yet. She agrees. I'm shook. She agrees. And... I don't know. I, I, I was just kind of in this place that, that never allowed me to be mentally single because there was this need, uh, for help, I guess. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. I still pray for help. I'm at this place in ministry where I need help, but this is where I've arrived at too. Also is as bad as I wanted that relationship to work and how ugly it did not end. It didn't end ugly. And there was no reason for me to, everything else ended ugly. It had clear starts and ends, um, even though it didn't end ugly and it didn't go where I wanted it to go. It, it, it didn't never became what I wanted it to become. Um, I was still never mentally single until like a week or two ago. And what I've learned is while I pray for help every night, Lord sent me a help me. God sent me some help because you know, when you're preaching and you're teaching and you're doing all kinds of stuff, sometimes you need somebody to help you. <laughs> Can you drive me to this next church? <laughs> um, I got to do X, Y, and Z. Can you help me? I need some help. It's at some point I need some help. And, and I've been praying for that actively. God, I need help. I need help. But at some point before you can get help, you've got to get to a place where you're okay with being yourself. You, you know, all of you and, and I love me, but there are parts of me that I don't like to deal with. There are parts of me that I don't like to, to be around. And since there are parts of me that I don't like to be around, I've kind of found that I've got to make up in my mind that I'm okay with me regardless of anybody, if anybody else is, because like I said, just a couple of minutes ago, I was born intersex. There very, very well may be that I'm not going to come across somebody who, um, can deal with that truth. You know, I've um, been advised by doctors that I need to choose half of me and I'm, I'm, I'm booking surgeries as we speak, talking to surgeons as we speak, you know, is that's not something everybody can deal with. That's not something that everybody can handle. And, and when we think about that, that's, that's scary, but I was jumping from relationship to relationship with people who didn't know why they were drawn to me because they're drawn to these masculine vibes I'm giving. They, they didn't understand why they were drawn to me. Um, and they're definitely, <laughs> I wasn't gay, but they, they definitely weren't gay women. They definitely weren't people who were in this place to understand. But because I had this need, this incessant want to have somebody on my arm to feel validated because there was this brokenness on the inside of me, this fear of not being wanted, this fear of not telling of people finding me out. Um, this fear that I would be rejected because I had this need to be wanted. 
this need to be wanted pushed me constantly toward trying to find a relationship. And I think for the first time in seven, eight years, I'm mentally single. And it's the weirdest place because it's, it's been seven or eight years since I have been mentally single. Since I'm like, yeah, it's just me. Now, I've been physically single. I've been sleeping in that bed by myself for a long time. I've really been sleeping in a bed by myself for for y'all. But I've been sleeping in a bed by myself. I've been coming home to this empty house um, for a while. But the truth of the matter is that I have struggled for, for the fact that I'm afraid that of rejection. I'm afraid that I'm going to die alone. You know, I used to cry. And I don't, I'm not a crier. Like, I despise crying. I, I hate crying as much as I hate allergies. Um, because they make me feel the same. I get stopped up. My head hurts. I just don't like crying. I would cry. There was one thing that would make me cry. And it was this thought that I'm going to have all this money, have this big house, um, I'll have the car, and I'm going to come home to this big, pretty house with these marble floors. And um, it's going to be just me. You know, what good is it? To have all this stuff, and it's just me. And so I would cry every time I had, it was a recurring dream. I'd cry, I'd cry, I'd cry, I'd cry. And so because of that fear, I never allowed myself to be mentally physical, be mentally single. Sometimes I could not have, I couldn't control being physically single because I do have standards. Um, and so I wouldn't let myself go be with just anything. But there were some times where I dropped below my standards. And, I'm, and I look back like, how the heck did you get there? And why did you allow that to happen? And so what I want to encourage you to do is that you got to figure out a way to be mentally single before you can be in a relationship. Because the longer that you hold off of that, the longer that you uh, refuse to be in relationship, or the longer you, you refuse to be mentally single, the longer you'll be physically single. Because the, the devil knows what your weaknesses are, and so he'll send toxicity to you. And it'll just keep making you sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And you'll be around these people who aren't healthy for you. You know, I just gave you an eight-year chronicle of, of my last, what, three, four relationships. Only one of them was healthy. And it wasn't even everything I needed. Eight years. That's, that. you know, that's sad. That's sad. They could, And the one that was healthy couldn't contain me. Couldn't handle everything that I came with. You know, that's, that's sad and that's scary and that's frightening. And so I want you to learn how to be mentally single. And sometimes that's sitting back and sitting with the grossness. That's you. That's sitting back with the truth. That's you. I just told you my biggest secret. <laughs> I did. I just, I just told you my biggest secret and that's off putting, but I just told you my biggest secret because it's not something that has to bind me anymore. Okay, I've, I've, I've been keeping that for a while. It's been go, driving me nuts and I've been going back and forth with it. But I told you that because if I can't stand to say it out loud and I can't stand to deal with it, how am I ever supposed to build a life with somebody? How am I ever supposed to build something and get something that's healthy and, and I'm not healthy on the inside? So mentally and physically, I'm in this place where I'm by myself. But I'm learning to deal with the things that I've been masking the things that I've not been wanting to talk about, the things that I've been pushing away, the things that I don't want to deal with, I'm learning how to cope with those. Not because I think that I'm bigger or better than anybody or not because I think that I, I need more than anybody, but the truth of the matter is I, 
I, we all need relation. Like we all need to be healthy mentally to have a healthy relationship. I look at relationships like my mom and my dad and some of my other favorite people, favorite people who are, who are been married for what, 25, 30 something years or more. And when I look at them, they're all whole people. Like they are great together. And I believe that God put them together. And I think they have these wonderful relationships and boy, I hope I get a marriage like theirs. But when I look at them, they both have distinct interests, interests. They have lives they live separate from their spouses and they have a life that they live together. And it's not that nobody, none of these people are like double dipping or anything, but they have careers and they have hobbies and there is, there are pieces of themselves that is still distinctly theirs. And there is still a sense of singleness to their, to their wholeness in marriage. We can't get to that if we are afraid of dealing with who we are. You know, the craziest thing that happens, I was at my, my therapist yesterday and we were talking about the surgery that I have coming up. And, um, she was saying, because I've, I've been, I failed one of my psych evaluations, not because I'm crazy, but because I have a problem saying what my decision was, which, which organ I chose, uh, to keep and which organ I chose to extract. Um, and I've been having issues saying it, but I've been having issues saying it because I've been afraid that people would perceive me as transgender. Now, if you're transgender and you're listening to this, I'm, I don't have a problem with you. I'm dealing with something within myself. Um, and so I was afraid that people would perceive me that. And because I'm Reverend Kojo, and I'm not just Kojo, but I'm Reverend Kojo. I was afraid I'd never be able to preach again. Um, I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to go and do some things anymore. And here's the crazy, the crazy piece is like, I wear men's suits. I wear tailored men's suits everywhere, every day. I don't necessarily wear ties as much as I used to, uh, but I wear I tailored men's suits. If I put on a tie, put on an ascot, um, I still have a crazy collection of bow ties and ties. I don't wear them as much as I used to because I am afraid of skirting the line, but my fear in choosing half of my, my genetics, the boy, organs I was born with, is that somebody would have a problem with it and vilify me and I'd become a headline or nobody would invite me. I'd get uninvited to come preach places or I get ran out of this church or I would no longer be the gifted person that everybody seeks out or comes to talk to. And so I was afraid of that. And so I, I thought that if I didn't appear transgender or maybe I seemed more normal, which is impossible, right? Um, but if maybe if I felt I seemed more normal, people would perceive me better. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you looked at me, you knew something was up. You may not know intersex, but you, you may have thought transgender, or maybe you thought gay, or you thought something. And, and But because I couldn't say it, I'm failing exams to get me to the next level, helping me cope with who I was born to be, helping me cope with how I was made, helping me cope with the, the singleness of my mind, helping me be a better person, helping me get to the next level. But because I was afraid of what folk might think, because I was afraid of dealing with the things that go on on the inside of me, in my genetics, in my mind, in my spirit, in my soul, because I was afraid of dealing with those things. It's been holding me back. It's not been holding the other person back. It's not holding anybody else back because the surgeon is going to still have surgeries. Now, I may be a groundbreaking surgery. They may not have never seen something quite like mine, but there's going to be somebody that comes along. Somebody came and told me there's a baby at Children's just like me. <laughs> um, you know, and so... The truth of the matter is, is that if you're not mentally single, 
before you are in relationship, you're only putting yourself in perpetually toxic situations. And the way that we get to mental singleness is, is saying that I am important. I am worthy of my time, just like whomever I'm trying to get to see that they're, I'm worthy of their time. I need to work on me. And, and for me, that's been dealing with, with this, this gender conundrum that I have. Um, it's, it's dealing with, with which portions of myself do we extract? Do we extract any? Um, how does my health suffer? Um, it's saying out loud that I was born intersex and I chose to remove my ovaries, my ovary, um, and my female organs. It, it is that I chose, I chose my testicles. Um, even though my parents raised me Nicole, um, it's, it's dealing with that as reverend. It's telling the conversations with my pastors and my colleagues and the people that I shepherd. It is saying that out loud is, is going to, uh, two counseling sessions a week. It is realizing that the people and the person I love, it's not their fault that they can't contain me. It's not their fault. And it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I was born this way. It's not their fault that they can't love me. And and it's not that they, I don't even think, I don't even think it's that she can't love me. I don't even think, I don't even think that's it. I think it is, how do I wrap my head around this? And I'm from the South and we are Baptist folks and we want to do with the Lord. Cause that's been a big thing for me. And that's, if, if I can be transparent with you all, that's been a big thing for me is that I'm a Baptist preacher <laughs> in Alabama. <laughs> and even though my church is somewhat progressive, um, I'm a Baptist preacher in Alabama who has a little bit of gift and how, what, what happens? Cause the gifts of God come with not repentance, but am I going to lose my anointing? I know I wrestled with that for so long. And, and, and that was another, um, stepping stool for me wrestling with, am I going to lose my anointing? And God reminded me that nothing, not height, not death, not, um, not, uh, life or death. No, not principal principalities or powers, nothing could separate me from the love of Jesus and, 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 and reconciling that and internalizing that, not just quoting it, but knowing it, um, and having to kind of walk in this thing in ways that were harder than one could understand. So I say this, I'm gonna say this is that you're, it's going to be, you're going to be hard pressed to find the relationship God intended for you until you learn how to be mentally single for a season. See, it's one thing to be physically single because I've had several physically single seasons. It's another thing to be mentally single and to focus completely on you and the Lord and see how he can grow you and make you better. But it's a whole nother ball game, whole nother ball game to be mentally single and to deal with the stuff that you were afraid to deal with. And so I just want to encourage you, and, and boy, is this a moment of transparency for me to tell you the whole truth. <laughs> uh, but that's what it is. got to be mentally single because um, without it, life, it stays blurry. We stay alone. And it was crazy is I remember one of the deacons at my church right after I got licensed. Actually, the, the wedding I was telling y'all about. Um, I went to it instead. I'm, a, I'm the basketball coach at the church. And instead of going to the game, we had that day. I went to see my, my, one of my best friends get married. And she went as my, as my plus one. Um, and I came back and I said I had never been to a wedding where they loved each other so much. 
that it was so apparent, you know, it was, it was, it was so apparent. And he said to me, you know, one day, you know, one day you'll get that too. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the chronicle of my life and I'm like, it's, it's not likely. Not in, and not in I get to still preach and be in the church. And I mean, I say it, I say this for the sake of understanding. I am um, one person, and these are my experiences. But the moment that the switch flipped for me, when I realized that it wasn't her fault, it wasn't my fault, it was the fact that I hadn't dealt with me, and, and how if I haven't dealt with me, how can she deal with me? How can she handle me? And if I haven't confronted the issues in my body because there are health things by me choosing not to remove anything, if I can't confront the things in my body, how can I expect God to send me somebody who's going to love me for him to have to take me up out of here because I haven't dealt with my health? Get mentally single. And if you can get mentally single, you can prepare the way for your future. Being mentally single will help you focus on, on your, yourself, on your future career, your endeavors, but it clears your mind and your heart for the person who's coming next so that you're not holding on to what happened and what was, what could have been, and you're free enough for somebody else to come and join with your soul. Y'all, this has been Relationship Goals. I'm Reverend Kojo. Y'all be blessed. Let me know what you think in the reviews. Y'all be blessed.